Peace. I want to give a shout out to my nephew Jerron Thames, as you just seen on the screen, for scoring his a thousand point, a thousand point score. I think he surpassed it this past weekend. So I want to give a shout out to my nephew, man. And always, as I say, man, I'm so proud of you. But you know who still got the best jumper in the family, right? <laughs> so um, tonight, man, I want to talk about the greatness of black coaches from the '80s, man, and what parents today can learn from that era. The one thing that I've always had an issue with take this music down just a little bit the one thing that i always have an issue with i would see these athletes men who make it to the highest level they professional sports in whatever domain that they are in whether it's the nfl whether it's mlb whether it's the nba and they never give a whole they never give well i'm slipping today i'm slipping today on my lighting y'all this is why i gotta hurt and blow up so i can give me a whole team man that can take care of this stuff i'm giving away some of my secrets i'm giving it away giving it away but anyway you know, most kids, before they get popular, before they blow up all on YouTube and social media, they always start with the recreational coach. And the recreational coach was the one who spent the most time with that athlete when they couldn't dribble, when they couldn't throw a football, when they couldn't even catch a baseball, when they couldn't even go up to the plate, not even hit a foul ball, right? But as they grow in the game for the athletes who are serious and the kids who do make it to the next level, who do make it through the upper echelons of college football and through high school and all the elite ranks, they hardly ever give a shout out to the first coach that put the passion and the value in them, which was the recreational coach. Look at all these top NBA guys today. The first gym that they saw was probably raggedy, dingy, dirty with that that half an octagon or whatever, that mushroom top backboard. That always had that boom every time you laid the ball up. That taught them how to dribble and shoot. A lot of times when you see these top AAU program at college coaches, they inherit an almost complete athlete as far as the skill set. Now, we know when it comes to athletes, there's always mental work to be done. Moving forward, I would really like to see a lot of athletes who have been blessed to grace professional platforms. Give a shout out back to the, to the roots where you started from, your recreational coach. And I know amongst me and all my peers in every single sport that I play, we've always been bonded by championships. We've always been bonded by a winning culture. But the beautiful thing about the coaches in the 80s, man, besides wearing them tight ass bike shorts with their balls hanging all bulging out. <laughs> Y'all remember that when they used to wear them tight ass elastic bike shorts with their balls all bulging out with them tube socks. And y'all remember now, what was that? A deer deck, a dyradac, turf shoes, man. They were like white and they had like a thousand little spokes and spikes at the bottom. And they had them big-ass, poofy-ass hats, right? And that one whistle with a collar shirt. But the beautiful thing about the 80s coaches, and I can even say in the latter half of the 70s, man, was the passion that they put into us as youth. They were our second-level stage fathers, right? And they cared about us. It wasn't always just about sports in that time and that era, but they put the value in us to understand the world that we're living in, the challenges that we're going to face, how to be young men. Now, I am in no way insinuating or saying that coaches today, they don't perform these same type of tasks. Boy, somebody is really trying to get my attention. Um, they don't perform these type of tasks. But what we need to understand is we can learn from the past because they say if you don't know history, you're going to be bound to repeat some things that need not be repeated. I understand that a lot of times I would listen to Neely Fuller in one of his lectures one day, and he said history is not to use, be used or to be looked upon to celebrate, but history be, should be used to find out where the mistake was made. In that era of the 80s coaches, there wasn't no college certificates required. There wasn't no certifications that were required. You know, there was no narrative that was really going on in our community. 
our coaches were consisted of fathers. And I've always been told that fathers make the best coaches. Now, we understand that some fathers do play daddy ball. And shame on them because you're really hurting your child because you're not going to coach your child forever. I coach my daughter now, and sometimes it's a good thing, but sometimes it's a bad thing because I know if she had another coach, she wouldn't do half of the stuff she does in practice. She feels a little privileged to be a little jerk sometimes, but that's my baby. However, the one thing about those coaches, man, they taught us valuable life lessons. We could be walking down the street doing something bad, and our coach could be driving down the street. He could be with his kids or his own spouse, and he'll pull over and make sure that we was doing right. And listen, my brother played for a guy named Arby, and I know a lot of y'all who were familiar with the Normandy Vikings uh, organization and the cluster back in the day, they can remember Arby. And every time they made a mistake, man, he would line the whole team up and just strap them with a belt. Now, get a load of that. Now, if you had a coach doing that nowadays in today's society where they took a belt and they hit every player on the ass, you know, that'd be a lawsuit. But it just goes to show the strength, the courage, and the things that were infused in us as young men, how we were taught to deal with challenges, both physically and both mental, right? And the one thing about that back in the day, parents didn't say a word. Mothers were not sensitive over their babies. Fathers didn't feel like their children wouldn't get enough playing time. They never questioned the coach. It was an all-out community effort. And one thing I can remember playing football, the JFL back in St. Louis, and anybody could probably say this no matter where you come from, is when I looked on the sideline, not only did I see coaches, I saw protectors. I saw those who inspired and, and encouraged us, but I also saw gangsters. Man, we would, go, we would go out there and we would play those white teams, man, like Bonham and Southside Concord and Kirkwood. At that time, they were predominantly white. We'd go all the way out to Baldwin, right? And I just felt protected in an area where I knew racism was very thick and tense. But our fathers and the men in the community at that time, they were great protectors. But they didn't take no, they didn't take nothing off of us. We could not talk crazy to a coach in the 80s. We would never dare raise our hands above our waist to a coach in the 80s. And you understand why? Because back in that time and that era, those were men. Those were men, men. And guess what? They were allowed to be men, men. Nobody stepped in the way of any man dealing with young men in the community. Raising us up the right way And as they say It takes a village to raise a child When we played sports We had a village Even when it came to basketball We still had a village There wasn't a lot, there wasn't a lot of egos People didn't get out of pocket Back in that time and that era But we think again As society has advanced And so much has changed In the ranks of coaching Certification is required Coaching in the school system Which I believe has always been required Was a certificate But I believe in our time and era A coach was just a coach and this is why coaches were so great in that time and era. But the one thing that I hate is how so many black coaches from the 80s, they will never get their flowers and the legacies that they built. They don't honor the legacies as we do the more popularized coaches we see in media. And that's always by design. But guess what? It's not media's responsibility to honor the great coaches of the 80s. Everything that they instilled in you. And see, back in them days, we didn't have trainers. We didn't have social media. <laughs> we didn't have a lot of these platforms to perform on sports. I remember my father used to always say, AAU had always been around, but black folks didn't know anything about AAU. But somehow, some way, we still was making it to the professional ranks when it came to football, when it came to baseball, and when it also came to basketball. I'm a 51-year-old man, and still to this day, the most influential man I've ever met in my life were my childhood coaches. And I want to give a shout-out to my teammates, you know what I'm saying, the Vikings, you know, from football, to baseball, to basketball, like we're bonded forever, right? And let me go on record to say we were the only club that was really kicking Matthew Dickey's ass 
Y'all remember when we used to play down at Fairgrounds? Was it Fairgrounds? And Matthew Dickies had that lopsided field. And it was always rumored that there was glass on that field, which it was glass. But I remember, boy, every time we played Matthew Dickey, because Matthew Dickey, Royal Knights, ABC, who else was it? Uh, 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 the, uh, NYA, <laughs> out in Blackjack, Florissant, the Florissant Raiders. Like, we used to run through everybody because we had Coach Thornton. And at that time, I respected my coaches so much. But they didn't play the radio. And I would love to see coaching get back that to today. Now, we have great coaches today. We have brilliant coaches. There are plethora of black coaches out here doing great things for the community, but you will never hear about them because of narratives. And I want you to understand that the greatness of the black coach and the intellectual properties that they embody and things that they endure. Y'all, I'm really slipping tonight. I'm slipping on the lighting. I'm slipping on my phone. I'm getting calls. Had a little bit of disturbing news today, so I may not be all there, but you know, God is still good no matter what. So I'm a little rattled by some things, but we're going to get through this thing. I actually would have been had this episode recorded by now, but you know what, man? Uh, The one thing about me, I like to be transparent and life is real, but everything is going to be all right, right? But the one thing, let's not not ever underestimate the intellectual properties of black coaches back in the day, back in those days, and the greatness that they instill into coaches that you see today. If you was to ask any coach at any professional rank, any black coach in the college rank, any coaches in the high school ranks, you ask them who some of their greatest influences were, and you might be like, well, who was that? Because we never heard of these people. Their story is so untold. But I want to take this time right now to give flowers to any coaches, especially those of my era. They are still around and living. Let me give you your your flowers now. You guys are the goats. And we thank you for everything that you've done for us because everything that you instilled in us and the influence, we put it in our own children. Now, a lot of times they didn't receive it. They didn't understand it because we know things do change. And when my children, children get grown, the, the status and the culture of coaching will change once again. That's if they don't have a robot coaching them, right? <laughs> But the thing about sports back then, it wasn't about getting our kids to college to get an education. It wasn't about trying to go D1. We really didn't even know anything about that at that time, right? But the one thing that I will always cherish was the value, the love, the protection while teaching us to play the game the right way. Teaching us to be class acts on the field, right? And see, in them days, man, if we had an issue with a teammate, you know, coaches back in them days, they tossed them gloves out. You do that now, day, you're going to get fired, right? But I've been telling people a long time they have been separating the greatness of black men and black coaches from sports for the last 10 years. And people don't believe me. But let's uphold and honor our legacies, the great coaches that influence us, because I see it every day on Facebook. I either see the loss of a family member or I'm always hearing somebody talk about the greatness of a coach that just passed. Coach, coach, such and such did this for me. I'm always grateful for such and such. Right. And let's always honor and uplift the coaches that we see today in the present ranks, right? Who are great coaches, who are going to do phenomenal things. And, and, and understand one thing, man, in that era, there's the parenting, right? The connectivity. There was no jealousy. There was no animosity that I ever seen. You know, if, if one parent couldn't make it, mind you, there was no cell phones. Nobody was texting anybody to let them know whether or not they was going to be late for practice. But listen, nobody left no child behind. And everybody got home safely every night. If we got home from practice and it was on a school night, it was late. If my mama stopped by McDonald's at that time, which McDonald's was different, you know what I'm saying? It was not a question to be asked if that other child was going to eat. And when we had tragedy, we all came together as a team. I remember the banquets, man, I used to have on my GQ clothes. I used to have that little chain with the lock. I had my penny loafers on. I had an S-curl, but, you know, them kitchen kits never took to my shit. My, I'm just nappy. 
You know what I'm saying? I'm just happy to be nappy. I used to want, you know, like Prince had me really wanting to go to, to like the, the beauty supply store. When I saw Purple Rain, no cap, Prince had me wanting to go to the store to get a Hawaiian silky because I wanted that bang. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> little side note. But, man, we can learn a lot from the coaches from the 80s. Men need to be need to get back to being men. Don't separate politics from sports. Don't separate social issues from sports. They're all one and the same, and they all interconnected. A lot of the top athletes and the talent that these schools recruit and come from, they come from the inner cities, right? And another thing, side note to you, to you coaches today: stop walking around beating your chest, talking about what kids you didn't send D one and what you didn't, how many kids you didn't send here and sent there. That don't mean nothing. You're nothing but a liaison for a white man to build, build a legacy off a kid that you helped to build and strengthen. With a skill set I see a lot of my guys right now On social media They post the workouts And they passionate about it Shout out to Trey Mo, man Shout out to that brother Trey Mo, Located right here in Atlanta Who's passionate about these young men's development Who respects the game Shout out to Calvin Heath man Show The men's Showtime Basketball League Who uh, is great with people It's an integrity You still gotta get that four game rule together brother But you still my dog man But Honestly, man, just think back on the greatness of your coach that you had. And I'm pretty sure most of you all are 80s babies like me. Some of y'all are hitting in the 90s. But think about the greatness of your coach and bring that to today and actually integrate that in your in your in your form of coaching. The one thing that our kids need to be understood, one thing they need to they need to understand is the world that they live in and the reality they are about to face. And I think it's critical because this is why schools always do a lot of psychoanalyzing when they come to coaches. Don't separate the shit that's going on in the world from sports that our kids must know. It's got to be more than just dribble. It can't be just shut up and dribble. Because here's the reality. You really ain't coaching that kid. You're just teaching that kid the mental aspect of the game. You ain't teaching them how to dribble. You're not really teaching them how to shoot. You're inheriting a kid with a great skill set. So all you are doing is teaching this kid read and react, defensive and offensive concepts to help them understand how the game is going to be played at the next level. But to say that you're really taking this kid by the hand and you're really teaching them the X and O's, really in today's society, these kids, even though some of them struggle with IQ, but for the most part, these kids know. So as a coach, learn from the coaches from the 80s. Build into these young men more than just sports. Because one thing that I've learned as a coach myself, I don't really coach the game no more. I'm coaching this life, but I coach it through the game in an esoteric way where the players don't even understand it, but they will as they get out in the world. I will never forget when me and my brother was coaching the Georgia Stars and we was up at Lake Point. And it's just always that when an all-predominantly black team play a white team in those type of tournaments, it's always some bullshit with refs and black refs, right? But we lost that game, and we got beat by the one player, and he was limping that day, and they ejected my brother. So I had to coach the game by myself because my brother was the head coach. And when I tell you that I laid into them boys unlike anything they had ever seen in their life, and they thought I was crazy that day. I had never went in on a group of kids like that in my life. Not even with GBL, sixth grade. <laughs> Shout out to Coach TJ Truitt. Shout out to everybody from that team. You know what I'm saying? Guap, Chase, Sean. Rest in peace to Jeremiah, Aiden. You know who else am I forgetting? Caleb. Just, just, just. That was a that was a wild year, but we got through it. Dyson, I miss y'all boys, man. Shout out to y'all guys, man. Forever, forever in my heart. Don't y'all ever forget that. Um. But they thought I was crazy. But you know what? Years later, every last single one of them be like, Coach, 
I didn't understand what you were saying that day, but I understand it now. Now that you out in the world and economics matter and job opportunity matters, you see how this world is ran. And don't be scared to tell these kids the truth. In the 80s, those coaches wasn't scared to tell us the truth. They told us about so many things about life. And we just like, what does this have to do with sports? But as we got older, we understood this. And there was nothing that we could get away with that they didn't tell our mothers and our fathers about. And a lot of times they would discipline us before they even got us to the house to our parents. But I'm forever grateful for the 80s coaches, the greatness of their mind, the greatness of their manhood and what they put in us for them to be the greatest protectors and greatest providers. And if you were just to take your time and sit and do a lot of research, just dig deep and really go deep. You're going to learn a lot about the greatness of black coaches that the history books try to hide. ESPN will never show these things or showcase these things. Some of it they do. A lot of it they don't because everything with sports and everything in the world. TV, movies, media don't matter. It's all about a narrative. And it does not include the greatness of a black man, namely a black coach. So I'm grateful for those coaches from the 80s, man. This is the place where we bring a sexy back to the everyday hardworking men and women who impact your life within close proximity. We want to rise above this madness, which is called black culture. And as I always end the show, and like, share, and subscribe, you know. I understand as a person who uploads content, you're supposed to push this, you know, always get more sharers and subscribers. But I truly believe true leaders don't create followers. They create more leaders. And I ain't trying to be the next uh, leader of the black community. I'm not trying to be the next black uh, conscious community voice. I am not trying to be that. But all I want to do is just engage and spark people to think self-improvement and to better yourselves. And I'm always still learning. And I'm going to always continue to learn from those that are around me in my situations, in my environment and how I respond to things. But I'm grateful for any and all of you who sit in to take the time to listen to anything that I have to say, because I'm just sitting here talking. Right. You could be watching basketball, doing something else. So I'm grateful for your time. It is never taken um, for granted. Shout out to Shelly with the hands. Merch coming soon. I told y'all, you know, I'm, I'm going to get this thing popping real soon, y'all. Right. I just kind of like the word this hat because I didn't think it fit my head right. Right. But, you know, it's still dope. It's still fly, you know, but y'all be on deck for that. And I have some things in the work. I don't really like to speak on it until I actually complete it. I have anxiety because I'm close to completing my goal. And, you know, like sometimes when you want something so bad in life and you finally get to that point, you right there at that point and you just get that anxiety, you get nervous, you start to question things. I'm at that point. But good things about to happen, man. Anyway, man, listen, remember, the biggest mistake that you could ever make in life is to think that you have time. The biggest mistake that you can make in life is to think that you have time. Whatever it is you want to do, whatever it is you must do, do it today. Peace. Equality versus equity. Equality means every child gets a pair of shoes. Equity means every child gets a pair of shoes that fit. That means every school district has to meet every student's individual needs. I'm Jerry O'Green with the Black Student Advocate. We advocate for black employees and black students within the K through 12 school districts. We hold school districts accountable to make sure that black students and employees are in a fair and equitable